This is David O, and you're on the D side. Welcome to episode eight of the Guy Fans of Duran podcast. So this episode came together after I posted a survey question regarding some uh, certain descriptors and asking you guys to pick the song that fit that category the best. Those four categories were Duran Duran's darkest song, their most uplifting song, their saddest, and finally their most fun song. My, you know, my reason for posting this survey was merely curiosity, just for the fun of it. But while watching the answers come in, I started noticing some some interesting things. See, the I did the first round of the survey in a different way than most of my surveys. I didn't list any choices, uh, therefore leaving it completely up to you to choose from their entire catalog. So each category got upwards of 30 unique answers. The darkest category, for instance, received the most amount of different responses, which kind of makes sense since that was uh, the descriptor sort of most open to interpretation. So right there, we have 30 plus songs that people say is the best example of one descriptor, which in and itself is interesting. But one of the other things that struck me most was the crossover of some of the songs. For instance, like Careless Memories voted Most Fun by one person and Darkest by another. Ordinary World getting multiple votes in the uplifting category and in the saddest. Midnight Sun in the uplifting category and in the darkest. Hold Back the Rain, which of course we know was written by Simon for John, uh, addressing his drug use in the uplifting group. Friends of Mine was listed as the saddest song by someone. And you know, obviously most of our opinions about music are merely a matter of taste, but it's combined with the unchangeable circumstances of first hearing that music. Your interpretation of lyrics and your subsequent sort of enjoyment of those lyrics come down to perception. In this most recent survey, I didn't ask about favorites, I asked about songs that fit certain criteria. So it wasn't merely taste this time, it was your perceptions being questions. Uh, certainly the sound of a song plays a major part, but when thinking of things like saddest song or most uplifting lyrics definitely play a huge part. So let's review the top four tracks in each category and their placings in the winners. In the category of darkest song, Sin of the City comes in at number four. Certainly uh, a deeper cut from their catalog, but it has always been a favorite of mine. Undeniably dark subject matter, and you know, lyrically, but with has maybe a little bit more sparkle, a little bit of a brighter sound than a typically dark song, especially more so than song number three, uh, and that was Out of My Mind. I have to say, I agree with this one uh, wholeheartedly. Sonically, this song is dark, lyrically dark, and an unavoidable aspect to be considered with some of these Duran Duran songs is uh, the video. This video is definitely dark. <laughs> and coming in at number two for their darkest song was, I'll say, a pleasant surprise, and that is Dirty Great Monster from Red Carpet Massacre. This one was my vote. Uh, the lyrics are rather straightforward for uh, Simon's lyrics. Uh, sonically, it is quite dark, as it was written to not have an expected payoff. It ends with a sax solo, but it is definitely not 
the joy-filled sax solo of Rio. Uh, according to them, it, it was designed. The sax solo was designed to make you feel a little ill at ease. So, definitely dark. Then the winner in the darkest song category was not a surprise at all for me. If you put a song from the first three albums in a survey, it will still most likely win. So Nightboat came out on top as Duran Duran's darkest song. Certainly eerie sonically, uh, but lyrically I think it's more of a stream of consciousness type of thing. And the B-movie horror type video I think plays a monstrous part in the win, pun intended. But um, if I had to rank these these four songs in, in, in order of darkness, I do think for me Nightboat would actually come in fourth. So we have in the darkest song category, number four, Sin of the City. Number three, Out of My Mind. Number two, Dirty Great Monster. And voted by you as Duran Duran's darkest song, Nightboat. So at the far other end of the spectrum in this next category, we have Duran Duran's most uplifting songs. Uplifting can be about lyrics for me, but it's, it's mostly about the feel of the track for me. It needs to soar. So the uplifting top four. Number four is Pressure Off, a pretty obvious but fitting choice. Everything about it is meant to make you feel good. The lyrics, I mean, the everybody everywhere line alone seals the deal there. The video is all about fun. You add the presence of Niall Rogers and Janelle Monet, and you have positivity all day long. Number three, it was a little bit surprising. It is the reflex, um, certainly anthemic loads of nostalgia for most of us um but lyrically i don't know you're on your own there i guess it's uplifting <laughs> um number two was my vote and that is beautiful colors literally every aspect of this song is the definition of uplifting for me sadly the song was never officially released so only us durannies will will ever know its joy i guess and from that same pre-9-11 writing period uh, as Beautiful Colors, we have the winner of the most uplifting song, and that is Sunrise. Deservedly winning, I think. Um, and it's no small feat, maybe, from a band that, in Simon's words, was designed to make you feel good. So, the uplifting top four. Once again, we have number four, Pressure Off. Number three, The Reflex. Number two, Beautiful Colors and number one, Sunrise. So um, after feeling uplifted, let's swing way back to the other side of these, this emotional roller coaster and see what you think about Duran Duran's saddest songs. Coming in at number four, we have The Universe Alone. I see this less as a, of a sad song and more sort of resolute and just contemplative. The first line defines sort of the struggle in the song to me. He says, it's beautiful, the dying sun. So I see him as seeing beauty in the end and sort of more importantly, seeing it as a new beginning. Um, so number three though is uh, nothing but sad for me. And that got my vote. And that is Michael, you've got a lot to answer for. I, I can't really conceive of much sadder lyrics than the ones like, you'll come out of it all in time, I'm sure. And I know that you're gonna call if you need me, when you need me. It's being sung about or maybe even to someone that either killed himself or died accidentally very soon after the song was released. 
quite devastating when you know the outcome. Um, that one's sad through and through. Uh, number two isn't tragically sad like that one, but uh, sort of definitively romantically sad. And it is one of my favorite songs of theirs, and that's Someone Else Not Me. It's obviously, you know, about that realization that that person isn't meant for you. But I guess there's that thing again, the dichotomy of some Laban lyrics, the line, but it's not defeat when you set somebody free, cuts that sadness some. Um, that somebody he's setting free might be that other person, but I don't know, it could be himself too. So then we have the saddest song voted by you, and that is Do You Believe in Shame? Certainly some sad lyrics there, but I see it as uh, someone sort of in one sitting, perhaps even at his friend's funeral that we know that that song is actually about. I see it as one person having a conversation with himself on how he's going to get through this. Um, I've been there. I've been there very, very recently too. This dialogue and the song ends with about the only place you can end when you lose a friend, and that is trying to keep a little part of them alive inside of you. So the saddest top four, once again, we have The Universe Alone at number four. We have Michael, You've Got a Lot to Answer For at number three. We have Someone Else Not Me at number two, and Do You Believe in Shame as their saddest song. Lastly, we have the category of their most fun song. For many, this category would be Duran Duran's Bread and Butter. The other category of, of uplifting is definitely similar, but a fun song doesn't have to have any meaning or purpose other than a party. Interestingly, the only category that got more unique answers than most fun was Darkest. So, the most fun top four. Coming in at number four, Planet Roaring squeaks in with just enough votes to get in that running. Uh, this one definitely got my vote. Probably not a surprise if you follow me on Twitter. I don't hide my love for this anthemic ode to us, Duranis. It is begging to be played live, or at the very least, remixed and extended for some club play. Um, next, at number three, we have one of the most interesting results in any survey I've ever done over the years, making it into the top four of Duran Duran's most fun songs ever is Bedroom Toys. This could rather easily be described as a divisive song. Uh, it seems to be, for the most part, a love it or hate it affair. But it is now also revealing itself as somewhat of a guilty pleasure, apparently. In the secret back rooms of anonymity, your love of bedroom toys has been revealed. The the, the song, bedroom toys, the song. Uh, I, I don't love the song, but I don't hate it. My main issue with it isn't the subject matter, it's just that I don't really think it fits with the rest of the album all that well. And also sonically, it's just a, a little slight for me. I like sort of bigger songs. It's just a little too uh, pared down. That being said, I do believe maybe the best adjective to describe it you know, might just be fun. So I guess if you're a Bedroom Toys hater, it, it might be time for you to try to uncurl your chicken and listen again. Um, another surprise coming in at number two as their most fun song was Girl Panic. I heartily agree though, this is prime Duran Duran, uh, all band members sort of going at full blast, 
Simon singing about girls. It's practically the blueprint for the band. The video might play a part in its placing, some almost slapstick humor in it, and it's one of the most original and most very Duran Duran concepts ever, and that is uh, the band being played by supermodels and the actual band being relegated to the photographers and journalists. It's hilarious, it's fun, it's, it's stunning looking, and um, I think it's a perfect compliment to the fun song of Girl Panic. But if we're talking fun and Duran Duran, there's no way anything but Rio could win. This song has no other goal than pure joy. It's almost impossible to separate this song from its video, but the video only furthers the fun um, with some early and quite over-the-top nonsense and even some pratfalls. It's also probably the most euphoric concert closer ever in my book. The do-do-do-do's repeating endlessly in my mind for days after a show. And Rio was voted most fun song with over half of the votes in that category, by far the largest margin of any song uh, in the survey. You know, I'm sure a healthy dose of nostalgia certainly helped its numbers, but it is undoubtedly Duran Duran's most fun song for many people and for many, many reasons. So we have Nightboat coming in as the darkest song, Sunrise as the most uplifting, Do You Believe in Shame as the saddest, and Rio as the most fun. Over 100 songs chosen in four categories, some easily and obviously fitting into the descriptors, some confounding but interesting choices. All of the songs in all of the categories and all of the crossover votes made me really think about perception though. Obviously no two people can ever see anything in the same way, even a very familiar thing like a Duran Duran song. Even if they agree on something, they still haven't come to that decision in the same way. Who you are, where you are, who you were, who you're with, who you might have lost, all color your perceptions of songs. For example, um, I don't perceive Do You Believe in Shame as a particularly sad song. For me, it's a song of bravery and openness. And long story short about that, uh, my dad died when I was a sophomore in high school. I was not particularly willing, ready, or able to talk about it with even you know my closer friends. And one of my best friends was a year behind me in school, and the year after I left high school, his father died too. I don't know how much I would have been able to talk to him about it if I were still there, but I was away at college, so I wrote him a letter. I closed out that letter by telling him that this was something that had helped me, and I wrote out the lyrics to Do You Believe in Shame? This was actually a huge step for me in acknowledging feelings existed and that I had them. <laughs> So to this day, that song doesn't make me sad because it reminds me of lost loved ones. Uh, it makes me happy that I found a way to start opening up and sharing feelings. Even if I was, for the most part, using someone else's words, they were still my feelings. So when someone has a different opinion than me, um, for instance, I won't even listen to Medazzaland. I've heard that one. Or Liberty is one of my favorite albums. I don't think about how wrong I think they are or how much I want to change their mind, I think about how I want to know why they feel that way. How are our perceptions of the exact same thing so different? 
I don't always get to find out. Some people get defensive when asked a question like that. I recently asked someone about their dislike of uh, Medazzalan and Pop Trash online, and this person did not get offended. We talked about it briefly, and it was pretty refreshing. So when I say something like, Notorious is in my bottom three Duran Duran albums, don't get offended and assume that I have terrible taste in music. If you were to ask, uh, I just might tell you why and actually share my feelings and probably try to explain my perception of it. And you might not be interested in hearing more from someone that really doesn't like something you love or maybe really likes something you are certain is total crap. But as a lover of music and someone that is endlessly fascinated by human nature, I'm very interested in that. And by delving deeper into someone else's whys, sometimes I've gained new perspective and had my perceptions altered. Sometimes there's a fascinating story behind why they um, especially like or dislike something. Sometimes the answer is no more complicated than, I don't know, I just think it's pretty. I know I've given that answer before, but I also know if a song really strikes a chord with me and I can't explain why it does, I often want to figure out why that is for myself. So the D-side challenge stems from that idea. And it's less of a challenge this time, more of a question for you. I wanna know, can you share a time when learning about someone's differing perception of an album or a song made you reevaluate that thing? And I would especially like to know if after learning about their perception, did yours change at all? For example, um, I basically treated Liberty as a non-entity for years. Outside of a track or two, it, it just really didn't exist for me. After talking to someone I liked and respected that counted Liberty as a favorite, I began to wonder how we could agree on so many things but, but differ so much on this one. And after reevaluating Liberty after so long, I found my perception of it had changed. It's still not a favorite, but without considering that friend's opinion, I would never have found out mine had altered. And I want to share a couple lines from a, a book I've been reading. It's called Visual Intelligence, and it's by Amy E. Herman. When we go into any situation thinking it's going to be the same thing we've seen or done before, we're putting up our own perceptual filter that will make any change even harder to find. The resulting blinders can cause us to miss things, to go into autopilot. Every person and situation is unique. To treat them otherwise is to deceive them and ourselves. Once we're aware of our personal perceptual lenses, we can see past them. There is a famous um, Duran Duran magazine ad that once said, styles change, style doesn't. Well, I say styles change, tastes change, and hopefully over time, perceptions can change too. I'd like to thank everyone for spending some time on the D-side with me and listening. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Radio.com. Follow Guy Fans of Durand um, at Boys Make Noise on Twitter. Or comment on the D-side's own site at uh, thedside.libsyn.com. So keep the conversation going, and I'll see you on the D-side.